Welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Chef. This is Mike Howell, your lovable host. On today's show, I have the pleasure of introducing you to David Gross. David is the sous chef at Panzano in downtown Denver. He originally hails from Cleveland, Ohio, where he grew up with his two brothers. He started in the restaurant business at 14 years old, working at a mom-and-pop restaurant in his hometown. He worked at most of the positions that you can in a restaurant, which has given him a great understanding of the business. He started as a dishwasher, and he moved around to the front of the house, being a host, and then helping out in the kitchen. So he's done quite a, quite a bit of the restaurant business. In fact, that's what he recommends for aspiring chefs. He says you got to work in the industry first before deciding to attend culinary school. And he says this for two reasons, really. A chef is on his feet anywhere from 9, 10, 11 hours a day. It could be longer, it could be not as long. But it, it can be grueling and it can be physically taxing. So find a place, find a kitchen, work in there first before you decide to go and spend money on culinary school. And his other advice is that culinary school can cost upwards of eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000. And he went through a certificate program at a community college in the Ohio area, in the Cleveland area. And this is his recommendation is don't put yourself into, into debt like that for eighty grand. Look, look at community colleges where they have culinary certificates and go there. It costs less money and you need to work while you're going to school as well. That's his other, his other main advice, which I think is wonderful because you need to get out there and um, work while you're going to school, and it makes you a better person and just makes you a better all-around person. Then I have a question for you. We were talking about barbecuing and barbecuing different meats. And I was, my question to you is, do you make your own barbecue sauce? If you don't, do you typically just go to the grocery store and grab something off the grocery shelf regarding whatever it may be? Everybody has, I guess, their favorite. Well, like most chefs, David makes his barbecue sauce from scratch. And he actually changes the ingredients depending on the meat that he's cooking. So for pork, it'd be he uses more of a Carolina style, which is vinegar and a mustard, not, not so much a tomato sauce-based barbecue sauce. But for beef, he'll use a tomato base, but kind of sweeten it up a little bit, especially if he's smoking a brisket or, or ribs or, or a, you know, cat beef ribs or something like that. But I found it fascinating that he would change the recipe of a barbecue sauce depending on the meat because the meat is obviously a different flavor. And we get into that. We get into the recipes that he creates and, and why he does it. And it, I, I found it kind of really interesting because I've talked to a lot of chefs and this has never come up before until now. So I thought that was really interesting. So I hope you enjoy it as well. And it may rethink your approach to just off-the-shelf barbecue sauces and what's in, those, what's in those ingredients and what have you. Let's see. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff, the herbs and spices that he would use, his favorite tools in the kitchen, we go on and on. It's a great conversation. Really, really, really good conversation. It was great meeting him. I hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. And I present to you Chef 
David Grote. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Great, Mike. Uh, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I got your, got your bio, and you telling me that you uh, grew up in Ohio. Um, tell us a little about yourself, what, where you grew up, your family, and how you ended up um, in Denver, Colorado. Sounds kind of an interesting story. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I grew up in Ohio um, about well, 35 minutes or so south of Cleveland, um, kind of like a little ruler area. Um, so I uh, grew up there, um, and um, whole family whole family lives there and stuff. And um, so pretty much, um, you know, very, you know, we're very family-oriented and stuff, and, uh, you know, that we didn't get out to the city much, um, oh, okay. you know, so... Yeah, <laughs> back you know it's kind of a little little far away um, for being a teenager. Um, so you know, uh, I started my first job as as a busboy uh, at one of the local local mom and pop diners. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, right when I turned fourteen is is uh, when they hired me. Uh, we we kind of grew up going there uh, to the restaurant after church every Sunday. We'd get breakfast there and stuff. And, oh, okay. And uh, you know, the owner's like, you know, I'm gonna going to hire you one day for a, you know, I'm going to make you a bus boy. And, you know, at 14 <laughs> years old, it's kind of like, uh, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And make some money, you know? So, uh, yeah, after that started, um, I did that for about three years, uh, until I was about 17. And, um, and then I kind of migrated to the back of the restaurant there being a dishwasher. Mm. Um, so still 17 years old, you know, not really, uh, much direction <laughs> of what, what you want to do with the rest of your life besides um, wash dishes and hang out with your friends. So, right. um, you know, after that place, um, you know, I kind of went to another restaurant, um, kind of was time to get out of there and, and uh, went to a Lone Star Steakhouse, which is not many of them left around here anymore. So um, I started there as a host um, and kind of like started working the, more in the front of the house um, again, okay. and uh, yeah, I did that for a little while, and then um, kind of migrated again back to the back of the house there <laughs> uh, yeah. as a dishwasher. So it's kind of trend here. Um, so what was so? Uh, what I'm sorry. What was the <clears throat> excuse me? What was the the tipping point that you decided? You know what? I think I want to. Unless you're going to get to that, and I just interrupted you. Where you um, actually decided I'm going to get behind get in front of the stove and kind of start creating stuff? Well, you know, it never really was anything that I absolutely wanted to do. Like, uh, you know, growing up, I never really wanted to cook. Um, You know, I just kind of fell into restaurants, and this is just kind of what I always did. Um, So kind of like the, yeah, yeah, you know, and kind of the tipping point was um, I I remember the conversation that I had with with my manager uh, at the time there at Lone Star, and, um, he gave me a call. He's like, Hey, uh, got to have a couple prep cooks call off. Can you, uh, come in for a couple hours and help me prep? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. You know, it's something different. You know, I didn't oh, really cool. want to wash dishes the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Right. right exactly. <laughs> so, um, got in doing that. And, you know, as the weeks went on and the months went on, I, I began to really enjoy doing what I was doing. And, you know, it wasn't even much, you know, it was, cutting lettuce, you know, portioning, um, 
potatoes, slicing red onions on the on the slicer. You know, I wasn't really even doing much prep, but you know, as, right. as months went on, I, I began to learn more about. Um, kind of, I guess, what got me was you know creating something from scratch. I think. Oh, okay. So. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So that's the first couple of years. Um, you did attend um, culinary school, right? I did. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. So I started started attending culinary school. Um, I kind of switched. I was originally going to college for business management, just oh, okay. pretty vague. Yeah, just you know, broad um, business management. And um, you know, as I was start, as I was continuing working in restaurants and starting to cook, I was like, well, I want to go to culinary school. You know, mm. it's, I, I I like this. You know, it's becoming something I really want to do and what I really want to learn more of. Right. Um, so, you know, but south of Cleveland, there's not a lot of great restaurants to to get into and you know there's a lot of chain restaurants so yeah so yeah. it's like well how am I going to learn more than cooking steaks and and tossing pasta than right. going to culinary school so yeah I started attending there um and also working still at the same time yeah so yeah did you grow did you south of Cleveland did you grow up on some land on a farm or was it just a community that was outside the city limits well, you know, it was, it was it was the suburbs, you know, it oh, was okay. further away. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, across the street, you know, was, were, were corn farms. Um, but uh, it, we didn't really, we didn't grow up on a, I, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything. Um, it was pretty much like the up and coming, well, the older suburbs, but like everything was starting to blow up, you know, when mm. it came to new developments and all that stuff. Yeah. So kind of like on the border there. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Wait, did you have any um, siblings, brothers and sisters on deck? Yeah, I got uh, two brothers. Um, I'm right in the middle, so I got younger and an older. Oh, okay. Um, Are they yeah. in the culinary world as well? No, uh, we we're totally all three of us polar opposites. <laughs> uh, oh, my, really? my brother. Go ahead. Yeah, we're to, yeah. Um, my my father owns his own company, so uh, both um, of my brothers worked for them for, worked for him for a little while. Um, and then my older brother also does kind of his own gig. Uh, he's got a, kind of his own business. Uh, then my little brother is is a musician. So, <laughs> and I cook food. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two creative brothers in the group, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all yeah, pretty different oh, on our own calling. Cool. Very cool. And then you um, made your way towards down into Denver. Have you always worked for the Sage Group, or were you were you working in other establishments before you joined the Sage Group? Yeah, um, I worked um, at a place. Uh, it was with Intercontinental Hotels. Um, it was downtown. Uh, it was called Table Forty Five. Um, kind of there is, is that was the first place I got my first uh, sous chef position there. Um, that was a really cool restaurant. Um, it was associated with uh, one of the consultants that he actually owns uh, quite a few restaurants in Cleveland. Um, so that was one of the two restaurants I worked there for, for him. Um, cool restaurant. You know, we had a chef's table in the kitchen, so mm -hmm. pretty unique. Yeah, very unique to, to Cleveland. There's, I think there's only like one other restaurant that's got a chef's table in the kitchen. So, um, you know, working there, I kind of really dabbed into my creativity there, um, having multiple tastings there. You know, um, people would come in, they want, you know, a chef's whim, five-course tasting, and uh, wow. cool, I get to create it, you know. 
Yeah, so no doubt. Very, yeah, very, very cool place there. Um, and then uh, after you... that, I went to... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. And then after I... that, um, the uh, the same guy that was the consultant there, I went to uh, work as a sous chef there at one of his other restaurants before going to Sage. So. Oh, okay. I was, uh, sorry for the interruption. Sure. I want to ask you about the chef's table. Um, <clears throat> did you find that... What are your thoughts on the chef table? Do you find it a distraction? Do you find it kind of fun? Do you oh, does, it, it, does it blend well with your working style? I guess is the, I guess that's a question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it can be stressful at times, but uh, it's super exciting. I mean, you know, you got pretty much either from two to eight people, you know, staring at you while you cook, and yeah, mm -hmm. it puts pressure on you. But um, you know, it's it's. It's exhilarating too. You know, these people really want to see what you're doing. You know, they're very interested. Um, but first of all, it makes you it makes you you and your other cooks work cleaner. You know, you're on the spotlight, uh, <laughs> so there's no screwing around. Um, you know, you're yeah. It's so um, no, it's it's awesome. You know, it's yeah. It's definitely a great tool to have in your back pocket. You know, having that um, uh -huh. kind of experience. So yeah. When um. If someone was going to wanted to reserve the chef table, do you guys um, create a specific menu for them, or are they are they ordering off the the house menu and you're kind of just providing whatever's you normally provide? Uh, we did both there. Um, sometimes the people just wanted to just kind of hang out there and have dinner, um, okay. and then other times we would get reservations for people that wanted to do, you know, five to seven cores or tasting, mm -hmm. and then that would be something that we would create for them, yeah. What's the craziest thing you ever created? <clears throat> Man, my voice is going away. Craziest, yeah, what's the craziest, craziest thing, thing I've ever created? Yeah, that someone's like, I want to do a chef table, and this was like something really wild and crazy. Anything? Well, yeah, I did do something, and I did some, I did a course with Rabbit, and it's not, you know, it's not super crazy of something to do. Um, I'm sorry, a course of what? Uh, rabbit. Oh, rabbit. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not, you know, outrageous. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I did a course with rabbit, and I used um, the whole carcass for a stock, and, and then I made, you know, a jus out of that, and I used the saddle um, pretty much as, as the main uh, course of it was the saddle meat. And I remember um, presenting it to the couple, and she – um, just had this look of horror on her face, and <laughs> and I was like, oh god, what? You know, I've only been doing this for like you know maybe 15 of these, maybe 10, 15 tastings, and, and I was right. like, oh my god. So this lady, she's like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I'm gonna eat this rabbit. I see him jumping around in the backyard, and and now now they're on my, it's on my plate. <laughs> so she she devoured it and loved it and you know it was a great experience for her at the end of the day <laughs> that's so. awesome I, I think that's what probably is the stuff like that i think is what you what what you chefs kind of love to present to someone that it's such i mean grant it's an exotic meat not everybody eats it not everybody has had it right and yeah to and have this lady to actually <clears throat> go oh my god I got Bugs Bunny on my plate, and now I'm getting <laughs> right. Yeah, to, yeah, she actually enjoyed it, you know. So it's all about, first of all, making it taste good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. How do you make rabbit taste good? What do you What do you do to rabbit to make it taste good? 
Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can cook it, obviously. Um, you know, I like to kind of, there's kind of two parts of the animal that can be cooked differently. Um, like, I like what I like to do, I'll, I'll buy a whole rabbit and um, I'll break it out into, so I'll take the loin out. Um, and that's basically your loin, you know, so it's basically like the same type of meat, I guess I would say, as like a, a loin on a pig or, you know, a, a strip steak on a cow, you know, it's that, it's that main loin that runs um, through, through the, through the body. Um, mm -hmm. So I would, you know, kind of take that meat off um, and then I would take the legs off. So what I would do with the legs, I, was, I would confit them um, just like how you'd have duck confit or chicken right. confit. Mm -hmm. uh, so I confit the legs and then, you know, with the loin kind of, I would maybe wrap it with the, uh, the belly of, of the rabbit uh, kind of have like, it's basically rabbit bacon in a sense. Oh, okay. um, you know, maybe wrap, wrap that up, maybe wrap a couple pieces of bacon around it, sear that off and roast it. Um, and then with the carcass, make a great stock with it and let that oh, stock okay. roll for a few hours and reduce that down to a jus and kind of got rabbit two ways uh, with a great jus and, you know, incorporate some other flavors into that sauce and, you know, and you'll have a really nice composed dish that's kind of the animal cooked two different ways. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, um, I'm always curious on how you guys, chefs like yourself, do those um, not untraditional meats, if you will, like the rabbit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you're um, at Panzano, which is primarily Italian restaurant, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, it's a northern Italian. Northern Italian? How long have you been there now? Uh, working on five months. Oh, it's really re recently. Okay. Yeah, very recently. Yeah, I just moved out here um, the end of February. So. What do you yep. think of Colorado so far? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, aside from uh, Ohio, you know, it's not much to do out there. I got the mountains ten minutes from me, um, yeah. which is just packed with adventure. And then no just yeah, just being here in general is awesome. That's awesome. And you live alone? Uh, are you married? Girlfriend? No. Uh, yep. Got a girlfriend and and a cat. Girlfriend and a cat. <laughs> yeah. Did you bring those two with you from Ohio? Yep. Yep. They're here. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. What does your girlfriend do? Has she found um, work there in, in Denver? Yeah. Uh, she does uh, sales marketing. Um, oh, cool. Sales marketing manager for for restaurants as well. Oh, okay. So we're both, yeah, we're both in the uh, in the restaurant industry. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's see, a couple things. I kind of wanted to um, ask you about some other questions I have here. Other than a sharp knife, what kitchen tool can you not live with, and why? Kitchen tools or kitchen tool? Whatever. It, it could be multiple. It could be one or two. Okay. Um, I'll probably have two. Um, the first one, oh. the first one is going to be a spoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of sounds funny, but um, very crucial instrument to have with you um, while you're cooking on the line. Uh, can you be used for various reasons? Um, I think definitely for plating, um, entrees, you know, for sauces. Uh, obviously, you're stirring. Um, it, things with it when you're cooking them. Um, you know, it can be sometimes replaced as uh, with tongs if you don't have them. Um, 
tasting your food, of course, always. Right. Um, a spoon is great for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think my second one would be, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, basically a cake tester. So it's basically like it's a very, very thin, skinny piece of um, steel uh-huh. um, or aluminum. And um, it's got like a little handle on the tip. Basically what it's used for is to stick in into very thick pieces of food, uh, maybe a stick, uh, maybe a lasagna, for instance, and uh, you kind of leave it in there for a few seconds, take it out, uh, and you touch it with a very sensitive part of your body, either wrist, uh, under your lower lip. Uh, you can tell the temperature of it. So the heat yeah. conducts to the piece of metal, and then you can tell if it's hot and just not uh, in the middle instead of sticking your finger in it. <laughs> so um, I think that would be the other, definitely those two pieces of instruments there. Is the, the cake tester, is it, a, um, is it a round piece of metal with a sharp end on it, or is it more flat, like a pastry uh, frosting spreader type thing? So very thin, almost like, almost like a paperclip thinness. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, if you like pulled totally pull out, you know, stretch out a paper clip, that's essentially mm-hmm. that. You know, about oh, four, okay. four inches long with a little little handle on top there. And that's basically a test a cake to see if it's done when it comes out of the oven. Kind of like people Exactly. Do. It's Oh, okay. Right, that's exactly its intended use, except it's definitely used for um, other things like I mentioned before too. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So working at the um, the new Northern Italian restaurant, you're not doing steaks and and that kind of stuff. What's what's been the biggest challenge working in this particular restaurant as opposed to like the Lone Star Steakhouse? Well, it's completely and totally 100% different. Um, mm-hmm. I you know working at the Lone Star when I first started out, I learned how to cook steaks, and then I actually worked at an Italian restaurant after that. Uh, for a little while, so I'm not. I wasn't super foreign to Italian food, but it wasn't you know 100% scratch kitchen. Um, and then after that, I told you about the Table 45, and uh, mm-hmm. and then again, I was at another steakhouse, uh, Urban Farmer in Cleveland. Um, so kind of went back to my roots there with steaks um, and like the farm to table concept. Um, so going into Northern Italian food, it's you know it's everything that you know if if you have an Italian grandma or, or mom. Um, you know, it's all that real heavy food that they used to cook, you know, like mm-hmm. chicken, chicken marsala, chicken parmesan, um, you know, eggplant parm, you know, piccatas and, and um, cagetori and stuff like that. You know, it's all that food really uh, that's kind of associated with northern Italian. So, you know, going from creating these, you know, very intricate dishes, you know, at Urban Farmer and, and Table 45, um, it was kind of like just a complete switch was now it's mm-hmm. like I'm doing pasta, um, you know, and raviolis and annalonis and, and all that stuff. Not saying that it's just, you know, pasta on a plate because, right. you know, Italian food is, is rustic in nature mm-hmm. um, or by nature it's, it's rustic, um, but doesn't mean that it can't be refined and, and look very pretty on a plate. Um, so, you know, it's 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 all about putting that food on the plate right now, and just because it's spaghetti and meatballs, it's going to be the best spaghetti and meatballs that you're going to eat. Um, it's all about 
now focusing on the actual flavor that's going into these dishes. Um, you know, how can you elevate uh, a ravioli that you get from, you know, the, uh, the local restaurant or chain restaurant down the street that's doing Italian food? How can you elevate that ravioli so it is just super packed with flavor, uh, mm-hmm. so complex? So learning how to do that, I think, has just been, it's been awesome. You know, I've, I've learned very many different ways of how to just pack so much more flavor into one bite uh, mm-hmm. than opposed to having, you know, one thing on a plate and then garnishing it with six things to right. get that, to, to achieve that flavor, you know. So Do you guys make your own, uh, is the pasta made fresh there in the restaurant as well? Yeah, yeah, 100% of it is made uh, scratch right in the kitchen there. So, uh, yep, home, homemade pasta there. Homemade pasta, homemade fillings for the ravioli or whatever the case Absolutely. Everything's yep. um, fresh from scratch. That alone sets you apart from the chain restaurants anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and everything is scratch made there. You know, the only... The only cans we're getting is uh, canned tomatoes, mm. um, uh, and that's that's pretty much it. So, and, and opposed also with that, you know, what sets us apart from uh, the other Italian restaurants in the city is that we've been open for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, something you know, right there. <laughs> yeah, so you know, the restaurant's been doing something good. Yeah, for <laughs> doing sure. Right for for quite some time too. No doubt, that's the truth. We were, um, last weekend we stopped into a, a chain restaurant. It wasn't Italian or anything like that. It was more of a sports bar type of thing. And we just wanted some light appetizers, and they've got this thing on the menu called the Garden Crush. So it, had, it was supposed to be, like, some pita chips and some olives and some peppers and some hummus and a tzatziki sauce for dipping. So yeah. I, dipped, I dipped into this tzatziki sauce, and I was like, this isn't tzatziki. It's blue cheese dressing. I was like, what the heck? Oh, and I sounds had terrible. my wife, oh, beyond terrible. I had my <laughs> wife try to oh, that's, that's, that's not even good blue cheese dressing. That's horrible. So we called the waitress over, and she goes, oh, it's, a, it's a, supposed to be a new blue cheese dip. I'm like, there's no, blue, there's no cheese in tzatziki. I said, um, no. make sure this is the right, right thing. So she was gone for like five minutes and finally came back and said, no, the package says that there's feta cheese in it. I'm like, there's no feta oh. cheese in tzatziki. So it Fantastic. Was, oh, I know. It was, it was <laughs> the worst. It was just so bad. And the, yeah. Yeah, the package it, says it's got cheese in it. Right. <laughs> I mean, the red flag. I knew it wasn't. I knew that that's the kind of place it was, and we just wanted, like, a quick appetizer. And it was like, oh, my God, so bad. And uh, that's why yeah. I made the comment. That's what set you guys apart. Not only that, but being there for twenty something years as well. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. People don't realize how how maybe how good the food is at a place like your place, as opposed to a place like I'm going to just say Olive Garden or or one of those other places. The the taste is like worlds different. I think. well, it is. Yeah, exactly. And you can you can taste the fresh ingredients. You know, right. Uh, Sure, we can. Sure, if we want to buy sauce in, or you know, we can buy pasta. But you know, first of all, it's it's very expensive. Uh, you can get very pricey doing that yeah. rather than making it yourself. <laughs> so, and yeah, obviously, you want to separate yourself from that lower tier. 
and make yourself on the top. So yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I always when we find little mom and pop Italian places or something, I always ask them if they make their own pasta, if they happen to make their own sauce or or what have you. And it, nine times out of ten, it's no, 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 no. So everything in the back see in a can is. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a shame, you know, but, yes, they, they exist. <laughs> so they have to exist, but they'd... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Since you kind of went to um, culinary school or got your culinary certificate or your degree and what have you, do you have any advice for new culinary students? Yeah. Um, you know, I... Don't go to a college that's going to cost you eighty thousand dollars a year. Um, I love that. That's advice. my first. What's that? I love that. That's. I. Yeah, it's. You know, I, I've I've met a lot of people that you know have gone to culinary schools that are just an absurd amount of money, and you know, if you have someone that pays for you, you know, okay, that's a, that's okay, I guess, if someone has a pain for you. But if you're doing it yourself, then. You know, you're just you know you can have that number in the on your uh, on your loan there for a while. So you know that's my first piece of advice. I went to a, um, a basically it was like a community college um, mm -hmm. and they have a culinary department. So you know very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I mean, I learned I probably learned you know 85% of what you're going to learn at a, a very big named culinary school. Right. Um, so. You know, first of all, check to see if you have um, community culinary schools out there, and and definitely look into that first. Um, if you're already in culinary school, um, definitely try and work while you're in culinary school. Um, you know, culinary school will, will teach you things, basic um, fundamentals of things, um, but actually doing it out at a restaurant in the real world, working with the people that you're eventually, or if you stick with it, you're going to be working with, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. Because um, they're definitely a different breed of people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I I worked through my entire um, college three years or so. I worked at a restaurant every single day, you know, while I was going through through school. And, yeah, it's it's 7 a.m. class to, you know, uh, 3 p.m. And then I'm, I'm driving directly halfway across town to go to work for the next nine hours. Right. So yeah, you know, it, it that part sucks. <laughs> but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're learning twice as much because you're working in 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 the field, and you're also going to school too. So right. it's just it's both. You know, it's it's that's definitely um, good good advice. There is definitely to work while you're going to school. And um, kind of last piece of advice is. You know, definitely make sure this is what you want to do. Um, yes. You know, it's it's a lot of hours. You know, it's you're on your feet 12, 14, you know, hours a day. You know, the other day I was at work for 15 hours. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, whatever. You know, it's it's what I do. But okay. make sure you you really are mentally prepared for all that, um, you know, because it, it's going to happen if you decide to stick with it. Um, but all the time you're investing into a school or, or be working in restaurants to try and get up to the next level, all that time you're investing, um, you know, make sure you absolutely want to do it first. So. Sure. 
And a good way to do that, I guess, is to actually land yourself in a job at some restaurant and spend the time, spend a year or so in there, work in right. the trenches, work in the back of the house, getting in there, doing the dishes, doing whatever is necessary to get get to live the kitchen life, the restaurant life, right. see if that's something that you're interested in. That's probably the the least expensive. Wouldn't cost you anything really to do, and just to make yeah. sure that that's what you want to do for sure. That's yeah, totally. I mean, you know, give it a trial run. You know, if you're thinking about it while you're in high school, then, you know, get a job at a restaurant as a dishwasher. You know, if you're thinking about it now after high school and you're starting college and you maybe want to start this or switch out of something like how I did, um, yeah. get a job at a restaurant as a dishwasher or prep cook. You know, starting from the bottom level, I think there's a lot of kids coming out of culinary school that are like, cool, I'm a chef now, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in two years, I'm going to be a chef. It's, it's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you need to, you need to definitely earn your, earn your stripes, you know, and, and starting at that bottom level is how you do that. You know, you're going to learn everything right. in the back of the house, not, not just, um, you know, stepping around the line, you know, you're, you're going to learn, you're going to learn everything and, and that's needed to become a you chef should, one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should. And you should spend time out in the front of the house as well. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely something that needs to be done. <clears throat> I love the advice, too, work while you're in school. I think there's a, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of thought process out there that these college kids, they think that they can't work because, oh, my gosh, I, I don't have the time. When in reality, if you did less partying, less hanging out, and less video games and did more schoolwork <laughs> and work work, you'd be amazed what you can accomplish. For sure. right. Yeah, you're just you're just excelling your your uh, knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got time. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did it. You know, it's possible. I did. I went back to college at at 30 years old. I went back to college, and I went to college full time and worked full time. So see, yeah, it, it can. It's, it's and you're right. It sucks, but it's not forever. It's just for a finite amount of time. And you put right. that, Yeah, put it's, that it's not forever. No, exactly. And that short period of time is nothing compared to your whole life and what's going to go right. on in the future. Sure. Exactly. It's crazy. If you had to choose three herbs or spices for a year, what would they be? Three herbs or spices for an entire year. Yeah. So I think I'll definitely, definitely into herbs a lot more than I am with spices. Um, I don't use a lot of spices a lot. Um, there's, you know, besides the, the crucial black peppercorns and, you know, um, coriander and bay leaves and stuff. But if I had to pick three, I would definitely go, the first one would be fresh thyme. Um, fresh thyme is just, to me, it's so versatile. Um, it can be used in many different cuisines, many different dishes, uh, many different ways. Um, kind of, I love using it for basting fish, uh, basting steaks, uh, picking it, chopping it up, throwing it into a dish. Um, you know, it adds that very refreshing, fresh, fresh thyme, you know, flavor, which is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, very versatile. So, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, cool. The second one would be um, audio fresh tarragon. Um, tarragon is kind of like, it's something that can be in a dish that, if you if you get it in there just right, after you taste it, or someone mm-hmm. else has tasted it, uh, they'll be like, well, you know, what was that? What is that? What am I tasting? You know, because it can be 
it can be kind of disguised in a way to where, you know, I'm getting this like floral um, flavor of something. I don't know what it is, you know, and, and oh, okay. this yeah. bright flavor of tarragon. Uh, and it goes great with thyme too, of course. Yeah. Um, so that, and I think I'll have to go with a spice. Um, it should be probably smoked paprika, paprika in general. Um, I kind of do like, you know, I like two different styles of cooking. I like my elegant side of cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was kind of what I did at uh, in a lot of my past restaurants is, you know, uh, very, you know, elegant style tastings and stuff like that. And, and then I think the other half of me is like barbecue, <laughs> <laughs> smoking meats, uh, smoking meats, barbecue and meats, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, smoked paprika is just paprika in general. It's just an awesome spice for all that stuff. Of course, you know, um, adds that smoking flavor to it. You know, if you're, you know, braising meats or you know smoking something, briskets or what have you. You know, I think that's just a great ingredient by itself too. Awesome. You know, put yeah. that in my rib dust and all that. You know. Mhm. When you um when you do barbecue and stuff. Um, do you create? Do you make your own barbecue sauce? Typically, yeah, or do you, absolutely. Or do you, okay. um, yeah, you know, I'll kind of get like a basis of it. You know, you'll start with the base, and then just kind of just go from there. You know, what do you first of all? What are you barbecuing? You know, are you barbecuing chicken? Are you barbecuing beef? Are you barbecuing pork? You know, and all three of those have different flavors, so kind of like correspond that sauce to what you're cooking first. You know, so. So um, that's interesting that you say that because I've actually never heard anybody else uh, refer to it that way before. Barbecue sauce is oh. typically tomato, tomato sauce, some vinegar, brown sugar, um, spices. What? How would you tweak it for pork as opposed to chicken or pork to beef or beef to chicken? What would you add or take out? to kind of make it enhance the flavor of that particular meat. So for pork, maybe, you know, instead of doing your tomato and, and, and all that stuff, I would mm-hmm. um, just kind of leave that out. And then maybe I'll go for like a Carolina barbecue sauce style, which it is pretty much vinegar and mustard based. Um, it's got sugar in it as well. So it's going to be like, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be vinegary. Um, you have that mustard in there. Um, and it's spicy too, you know, or you, you can make it spicy if you want, but I'd probably right. do that for like pork, um, oh, okay. you know, Carolina barbecue pork. Mm-hmm. That's always great, you know, for like ribs or something or, um, okay. uh, pork butt. Um, so from barbecue and beef, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll leave out, um, all that spice, um, and, and kind of just go with like a nice mild sweet barbecue sauce. Um, say so we're doing like a, I don't know, brisket or something. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of want to. I kind of want to taste. I really want to taste that um, smoky beef. You know, so we'll leave out all that vinegar and that spice, and we'll just go for a nice, just tomato-based barbecue sauce with. Uh, still have some nice spices in there and stuff, but just kind of let that beef really kind of come out and speak for itself more, rather than pork. You know, right? Uh, that's right. just me. <laughs> no, no, no. That's awesome. That's that's the kind of stuff that I, I find fascinating. Uh, I don't think people 
people listening to this podcast are not going to realize that the sauces can be tweaked a little bit because typically there's only a small fraction that actually goes out and makes their own barbecue sauce, number one. They just go to right. the store and they find something on the shelf and it's either sweet or it's not, I think. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't buy it. We make it like you make it. So I don't go out and buy yeah. barbecue sauce on the shelf. But I've never actually, we've got like this base recipe that my wife's mom made, has been making for 70 years and we just kind of tweak it a little bit. <laughs> and not use as much vinegar as, as it calls for. And that's what mm-hmm. we use primarily on chicken and um, primarily chicken. We don't use, I don't use barbecue sauce on beef very often. But I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting how you kind of tweak the sauces a little bit to the meat and have the, the meat come out with a different flavor profile altogether. I just thought it was, that was awesome. Yeah, right. You know, it's just like cooking like, you know, what, all everything's got its own flavor, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, your yeah. pork's going to taste different than your beef and your chicken. So, you know, how do you want to maybe enhance those flavors more with pork as right. opposed to chickens? Chicken's super versatile, you know. Uh, yeah. It's pretty, you know, that flavors kind of chicken is what it is, but with all the different cuts of pork and all the different cuts of beef, they all taste different. So, yeah. yeah. Um, when you go... Is there a lot of decent barbecue places in Colorado? Have you tried any? No, I'm, st- I'm still trying to find. Still, still trying to find it. <laughs> um, there's, there's a couple of them. Um, yeah. There's a couple. There's really not a lot out here we, we live, in Denver yeah, now. We lived in Texas for quite some time, and of course, they've got really, really good barbecue. And I always, whenever I find a barbecue place, I always taste the meat separate from the sauce to see if they've seasoned the meat. Yeah, halfway decent, and, and probably seven times out of ten they don't. The meat is totally bland, no seasoning whatsoever. That's what sucks. And I'm sorry. I said that's what that's what sucks about barbecue places that don't season their meat, or, or they don't put anything on it. They just have the barbecue sauce do everything for it, but it's not the right. case. You need both. Yes, and I thought maybe you found some place that did that, but you haven't yet. <laughs> I th- yeah, there's the one place right down the street from my work. Um, they their barbecue is not bad. It's it's pretty yeah. good. Um, but a couple of their cuts were were pretty bland without the barbecue sauce. And you know I you know some places that get super busy all the time. Their their demands higher. Uh, they're going through product a lot more, and they start to lose focus on the actual concept of the restaurant having great barbecue. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's probably, we'll probably eventually. Yeah, they focus more on the sauce than you actually the the, the loving cooking of the meat. Oh, yeah, the meat, yeah, yeah, right. The, my dad lives in Las Vegas, and when we were out there last year, sometime, he was like, "You guys want to go to lunch?" And he's like, "We've got a new barbecue place." I'm like, "Yeah, let's go check it out." It was probably one of the best barbecue places I've ever eaten. That's been west of Texas, and with oh, nice. They did a bang-up job, did a really, really good job. My dad was saying, he goes, I've been in here sometimes with the lines out the door. So, wow. they, yeah, they have the volume, but they actually really work on cooking the meat really well. That's, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. barbecuing. Exactly. And that's the <laughs> owner. Really the actual... <clears throat> has an answer me. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's cool. get him on. <laughs> I'll try him again. 
So what has become more important or less important in the last five years? It doesn't have to be related to food. It can be related to most anything. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of a tough one. Um, you know, I've kind of always just did what I do. But, you know, there, there's been some things that have fallen off. Um, I think I've always, I've always given my family focus. Uh, I've always been there for, well, when I can, family mm-hmm. functions and stuff, you know, like parties. Because, you know, a lot of the hotels I worked in, we were open for holidays. And, you know, I missed tons yeah. and tons of holidays for years. Um, but it was like, you know, like, oh, I'm off a of Sunday. You know, let's, let's go see what mom and pop are doing. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, have, I have some beers and stuff with, with dad. But, um, you know, I think uh, what has kind of fallen off over the last five years is, um, you know, hanging out, hanging out with the friends a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going out with the dudes. You know, I think because now I'm working, now I'm working every weekend, you know, aside from this weekend. Um, and, you know, work until 1 o'clock on Saturday nights and Friday nights. So, you know, you kind of don't see your friends much. Right. Um, you know, and I began to accept that a lot more. You know, and so when when you really do see him, it's you know it's cool. Um, but that's that's kind of one one that's definitely changed over the last few years. Um, yeah, not not much else really. You know. So that's become more important, kind of hanging out with friends, being with yeah, friends. you know, and, right. You know, after moving away from everyone, um, it's uh, it's like you know, cool. Once I go back in town, you know, I got three days, so. You know, or you know, however long I go back for, right. so you know, it'd be you know, it'd be great to see everyone again, and you know, so it's all part of moving on. Yeah, yeah, growing up, basically, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, right. So, is, is there anything that's become less important? That's something that you thought was like you was so prominent in your life that you had to do it, and now it's just kind of that's not as important to me today as it was. Five, fifteen, ten years ago. Yeah, probably. Um, probably what's less important is is uh, partying. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably like you know. That's probably less important now for sure. Uh, what's What's more important is is getting through a successful Saturday night dinner service. Um, and pretty much after working twelve hours, you don't really want to go out and party. You kind of want to go home. Crack yeah. a couple beers at home, sit on the couch, and, and you know, out. do that. Yeah, chill out for for an hour or so before crashing and and getting back up the next morning and doing that. So definitely, you know, going out kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> kind of more focused on work and stuff. Yeah, for sure. What's the not saying that? Sorry. Go ahead. Not saying that. There definitely needs to be time to uh, work hard and also play hard too. So it definitely goes with that. And that's what you plan on doing as soon as we get off the phone, and then you go enjoy your weekend. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best lesson your father ever taught you? Um, well, you know, one, you know, he's taught me a lot of lessons, um, but I think one that has stuck in my head for the last 10 years is never take a step backwards. Um, and that's a pretty cool lesson to have learned at a young age. Um, you know, I, I remember sitting, you know, down in the chair and sitting talking to him about maybe switching jobs, you know, and mm-hmm. trying, trying a different job of moving forward. And, 
you know, and I remember him always telling me, you know, never take a step back. Make sure you're always taking a step forward in in, in your career and pretty much in life in general. You know, yeah. you never want to take a step back and you always want to move forward and move forward. You know, even though no matter how hard it is, you know, uh, just keep going forward. You know, and that's what I did with school and working at the same time. You know, I never wanted to, well, no, maybe I'll quit my job and then just do school. And, then, you know, maybe, and I was like, no, I just, you know, keep going. So that's a good one there. Yeah, it's always it's always easy to stop and quit. It's, it's the the ones that have grit that keep on going and going exactly. through it. And, yeah. And he he's speaking from a from a, a business owner and entrepreneur mindset. Anyways, he knows better than anybody that one foot in front of the other always 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 gets you to where you want to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you if you if you want something, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you, you got to go out and get it. You know, guns blazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I got one challenge question, and then I want to want you to tell us how we can get a hold of you. Then I'll let you kind of get on with your your weekend off and such. And cool, yeah. here is my little challenge question. I ask all the chefs: You receive a request to cater a dinner party for twenty five guests with a budget of five hundred dollars, basically twenty bucks a piece. And the menu is to include two hors d'oeuvres, two main courses, and a dessert. Describe the menu you would create. So that's not much money for a lot of people. <laughs> it's not. So you've got to be really creative. Not at all. You do have to be creative, first of all. Uh, and second of all, you have to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, um, I think, so two hors d'oeuvres, which would basically be like a little small plate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think what I would do is I would, I would incorporate kind of, you know, a, a few things um, into each of the dishes just to kind of kind of be resourceful with, with your food. Um, so let's go, like, uh, first course, maybe we'll do, um, like, a beef tartare. Now, uh, coming from beef tenderloin, that sounds expensive, but for 25 people, you have 500 bucks, mm-hmm. you spend 200 and some dollars on, you know, two or three tenderloins. That's a lot of meat to work with. So right. what we would do there is, you know, after – Cutting your 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 maybe we'll do a four ounce fillet since this is uh, four courses or five five really uh, to a small cut of the fillet and then you have all you have tons of scrap uh, leftover pieces of the tenderloin that you can't necessarily use for the actual fillet itself so you have all this trim so okay. what we do there is you know make your tartare out of all that trim you know cut out all the all the meat from from the fat uh, from the chain and you know um kind of just use use all that stuff because, you know, a lot of places just throw it away, you know, right. and, and of course I'm, I'm not doing that. So we'll, uh, we'll make a beef tartare, I think, first course. Perfect. Um, so second course, um, the other hors d'oeuvre, um, maybe we'll do, we'll do like a beet salad. Um, so I wouldn't buy the beets, uh, just the beet. I would get the beets with the tops. So mm-hmm. beet tops are, they're great. You know, they're, they're very, very flavorful, you know. Not a lot of not a lot of places, not a lot of people use them. They'll just throw them away because, like you, you know, they're dirty uh-huh. or whatever. Just you know, um, but I'll use the actual beet itself for a salad. You know, we'll roast them off, we'll slice them thin, and you know, beets are great by themselves. Um, but you know, of course, yeah, they're great. Yeah. So you know, doctor it up with well, you don't doctor it up much, but maybe a little, maybe a little goat cheese. You know, do like a raspberry balsamic, some arugula. Perfect. Um, 
you know, stuff like that. You know, keep it simple yeah. because, you know, of course, you don't have a lot of money. Um, right, right. So then I'll save, I'll save those beat tops, and we'll make a ravioli with the beet tops as a filling for inside the ravioli. So we're going to use those beet tops. We're going to mix, we're going to cook them down. Maybe we'll just sear them, cut them up thin, sear them down, uh, mix in some, maybe some ricotta, uh, Parmesan, some more herbs and stuff like that. Uh-huh. There's your ravioli. Um, oh, so it's nice veg- vegetarian ravioli. And then maybe we'll do, you know, like a simple sauce with it, like a brown butter or um, Parmesan sauce or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Throw so then, so then we'll go back to our fillet. Um, so now we have our four ounce cut fillet, um, and then you know that can be served with, you know, usually we'll do like meat and potatoes, you know, with some vegetables. But um, to kind of elevate that a little bit more, um, let's do some. We'll do some carrots, and we'll get the carrots with the tops on again, of course. So the carrot tops, usually once again, they'll get tossed in the trash. But, um, you know, you can make something really great out of those carrot tops and maybe make, make a pesto, uh, which is similar to a pesto, um, but it's kind of leaving out the cheese and the pine nuts. Oh, okay. Um, and that can, be a, that can kind of be like a sauce for the vegetables, for the carrots. Oh, um, and then, you know, yeah, and um, to kind of keep it on, like, the beef um, theme here is, is get some marrow bones. Um, so marrow bones are, I don't know if, you know, marrow is awesome, you know, it's, and awesome. it's great. It's beautiful. It's great. It's so beautiful. if you, yeah. if you've never <laughs> had it, flavor. You have it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so keeping that with the, with the fillet uh, beef theme, we can roast those bones off. But you got to get make sure you get the bones that are cut um, horizontally, so it exposes mm-hmm. exposes the entire marrow out. Roast those bones off, um, and then you'll let's scoop out all that great marrow that just got roasted off um, and then we can mix that marrow in with a little bit of butter herbs shallots garlic whatever and make a nice little bone marrow compound butter for the steak oh, um, wow. and then so after you roast all these bones off you're going to get tons of this oil in a sense and that's basically your bone marrow that's like solidifying into to an oil and mm-hmm. so we're not going to throw that away we're going to drain that off into a container and then make a simple Bernay sauce. So, you know, and that's typically, that'll go, you know, Bernay sauce typically goes with, with beef or filet. And, um, you know, Bernay sauce is pretty much your tarragon reduction, uh, clarified butter, egg yolk. So we'll make that, except we're going to put all that um, bone marrow oil that came off into the Bernay sauce. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, kind of like utilizing, you know, this all of this Everything. stuff. Yeah. And and you know and yeah, I mean it creates a, a great dish. So That's awesome. Um, that is Yeah, so how that's do you, how do you finish a, this off? What kind of dessert would you do to finish all this off? Uh well kind of keeping like so we already have carrots. Um but they're just roasted carrots. So it's kind of like going to come, you know, just going with the filet. Um maybe we'll do a carrot cake. Oh, okay. So do yeah, you know, we'll do a carrot cake, but you know, it's not going to be um, like your traditional carrot cake that you buy or that you get from, you know, very, you know, <laughs> the store or whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, we'll make our carrot cake, uh, very simple. Um, and then to kind of garnish that with, we have some beets left over, right? So we used them in one of our hors d'oeuvres. So right. 
let's totally change the entire flavor of that beet and let's candy it. So we're going to candy it in like a simple syrup or something, um, get that kind of nice and crispy and candied so it's super sweet, but still got that earthy flavor to it. Um, and then that'll kind of be a garnish with it. Um, we'll do like a, a carrot puree also to go with that um, carrot cake, but totally transforming the flavor of it. Um, you know, adding sugar to it, you know, making it a very sweet carrot puree. So it's almost like, like a candy, you know, puree. Right. Um, so and then they'll be able to serve that underneath the carrot cake. And, oh, my goodness, dude. Yeah, maybe find some wildflowers out in the mountains here and throw those on there. <laughs> throw those on there, too. That's, that's yeah. amazing. That's, that is so creative. That is using all your product at, like, the, the most minimal cost that you can come up with and nothing, almost nothing's going to waste. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that's the idea, you know, is, yeah. is to make sure you're not throwing away a ton of stuff. You know, utilize yeah. every product that you can. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Cool. Thank Thanks you. for that. That was great. Absolutely, man. How can people, do you have, like, your own Facebook page or your own Instagram account? I've got the addresses to the restaurant, but I, I want to be able to, people to either follow you individually if they want to. Yeah, um, I got... Um, I both uh, Facebook and Instagram, but I mostly use um, Instagram for for work pretty much. Um, I okay. kind of just I post, I post all my food on there and stuff. Um, so that's David Gross four one one four. David Gross. That's all one word, right? Yeah, all one word. David Gross four one one four. Okay. Um, so that's Instagram. Yeah. And then um, yeah, for work then yeah. I really don't I really don't use it much. Okay. No. I'll just put the kind restaurant away from that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'll put the restaurant page on there. I gotta work with um the your PR group to get the get those guys some some shout outs and stuff. Yeah, cool. Sure. This has been awesome, David. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Had a great yeah, time. Cool, man. Great yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always, it's always great talking talking to food about someone. You know, Absolutely, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, that's why I do it. I love it too. Cool. Cool. Enjoy your two days off. Much much luck to you there in the Denver area. I know you're going to do great. You're already doing great stuff. So I appreciate it. Great job, and um, I'll be seeing you on Instagram. I'm sure. Cool. Thanks, man. Great. Thanks, sir. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be sure and visit us at AOAchef.com for all the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at AOA Chef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.